0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of Mark for this first Sunday in Advent. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you are a God who is faithful to his promises. We thank you that you have sent us your Son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh to die for our sins and promise us the gift of everlasting life. We ask you this day, O Lord, that your Son Jesus would come to us once again by means of your word to strengthen our faith, especially in this time of fear and anxiety. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. you ever seen a movie where the opening scene starts in the middle of the story? So what happens is they'll start like in the middle of the story, and you ask yourself the question, How do we get to this point? And then right after that, they'll kind of backtrack and retell the story, bring you up to speed, and then move forward with the rest of the story. Uh, There's actually a technique in the film industry for this. They call it in medias res, which I think is Latin for in the middle of the thing. The story starts in the middle of the thing, you go back and you bring yourself up to speed. The only movie I could think of that does this, that that I could come to mind, was the movie Forrest Gump. Have you guys seen Forrest Gump? Does everyone know? I was like, oh, I should find this relevant movie that everybody knows about. That movie's like 20-some years old at this point. Uh, So I don't know if everyone's seen it, but Forrest Gump is this movie where you have Tom Hanks uh, playing Forrest Gump, and the movie starts with him sitting on a bus, at a bus stop, waiting for a bus to arrive uh, to take him to this lady Jenny's house. And you kind of ask yourself the question, how do we get to this bus stop? And then what he uh, proceeds to do is sort of recount how Forrest Gump is responsible for every every important event of the 60s and 70s. Uh, And then that's what gets him to the park bench, and then he goes to Jenny's house. Well, this is kind of, for me, what Palm Sunday feels like at the beginning of Advent. That's a weird thing, right? Like, this is the season of Advent. We're talking about Christmas and preparing for the birth of Christ. But we always get this Sunday... The account of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, preparing to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And you sort of start the season off saying, how did we get here? How did we arrive at this point where Jesus is now on the donkey for Holy Week? Well, that's kind of what we're going to do here. You see, we start Advent this way, and then we go back. And the rest of Advent and Christmas and and Epiphany and, and Lent, they all bring us back to Palm Sunday and explain to us how we got to this point. How we got here with Jesus riding in on the donkey. But unlike Forrest Gump, this story is no box of chocolates for Jesus because he knows exactly what he's going to get. I'm sorry for that one, but I had to do it. Okay, Uh, he knows exactly what's coming. Jesus knows exactly where he's headed. He is riding into Jerusalem at the point in his life where he is finally arriving at his goal to die to give his life as a ransom for many, to die for the sins of the world, for this is what he came to do, to die for you. The question is, for us today, how did we get here? And that's a question I think a lot of us are asking right now, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where we are living in a society full of nothing but fear and anxiety, anger and cynicism? How did we get to the point where we are living week to week not knowing what the future holds, not knowing what the governor's regulations are going to be this coming Tuesday so we know what we are allowed and not allowed to do? How did we get to the point where the future seems so beyond our control? Now that's an interesting question, actually. How did we get to the point where we think the future is beyond our control? Because here's something that I think we have learned during the pandemic, which was true before the pandemic, but for some reason we never seem to believe this. Here's the reality, guys. Uh, The future has always been beyond our control. You've never had control of the future. Now, on a certain level, control is being taken away from us, and that's a, a disconcerting thing. But we must grapple with the reality that we've never had control of the future. And this is hard for us to realize because we are a people who plots and plans and prepares so much of our lives in order to maintain a sense of control. But you have to realize how much of that is in vain. There's only one who can control the future, and that's God. And here's the news for you today. You're not him. You're not God. And so this pandemic has exposed this for us, and this is probably a helpful thing. If the Lord wills you see I think that's part of our problem we're not a big fan of God being in charge we're not a big fan of what the Lord wills we prefer to maintain control we don't trust God to be in charge oh sure we'll say you'll say things like oh my faith says that God is in control that God will care for me that God will provide my daily bread and those are nice sort of hallmark theological thoughts but let's be honest such faith in the future in God's hands doesn't pay the bills. So I'm gonna take control of my future. And if God has any helpful advice for me in his book or if he'd like to answer a few prayers here and there, that'd be great. But I'm gonna manage things my way. And in our lowest points, we'll probably end up saying something like this. You know, if I'm honest, I'm gonna take control because as I watch the way the world is going, I don't really know if God knows what he's doing. I mean, not to sound blasphemous, but things don't look like they're all that much under control. You know, if I were in charge, if I were God, I would do things a very different way. (laughs) Now, if those thoughts ever cross your mind, I mean, I understand it, I identify with it, I've had similar thoughts myself. But there's a few things that those kinds of thoughts demonstrate. First, those thoughts demonstrate to me that I am still yet full of very wicked pride. James says it this way, You boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. The second thing it demonstrates, I think, to us is this, is that we are not listening to the word of God nearly as closely as we should. Because if we paid attention to Jesus, if we actually listened to what Jesus said and watched what Jesus did, we would understand that everything we see happening around us is going just as he said it would. Let me see if I can explain this by going back to the passage that we were talking about earlier today, the Palm Sunday passage. Here we find Jesus riding into Jerusalem. But before he rides into Jerusalem, there's a very significant passage here and a very significant event in the life and ministry of Jesus. He walks into Jerusalem, and as he's making his way there, he grabs two of his disciples, and he says to them, now look, I want you guys to go into the town, and there you're going to find a donkey. It's going to be tied outside a door. No one's ever ridden it. I want you to grab that donkey, untie it, and bring it to me. Now, when you do, there's going to be a number of people who ask you what you're doing. Go ahead and tell them, and they will let you come back to me with the donkey. And so these two disciples go into the town, and they see that everything happens exactly as Jesus said it. It happened just as he said it. And now what's significant about this is not just the fact that Jesus can tell the future and we think, oh, that's kind of cool. What's actually going on here? is that Jesus is showing us something. He's showing us that things go exactly as he says they will go. And up to this point, Jesus has been making a lot of predictions about how things are going to go. In fact, three times leading up to this text, Jesus has said, here's what's going to happen when I get to Jerusalem. We're going to get there, and I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be beaten and shamed and crucified. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise. Jesus says exactly how the passion is going to take place. But his disciples don't get it. They don't understand what he's saying. They don't listen. So that when everything is going, just as Jesus said it would, when he's arrested, what do they do? They run and hide for fear. They don't look at each other and say, oh, this is what he said and don't worry in three days he's going to rise just as he said no what they do is they run and hide because they fear their are next they fear that they're going to be crucified too they don't pay attention to the promise that he would rise from the dead they don't believe that this crucifixion is under the control of christ no they hide in fear for lack of hope and i think our problem is, is that we are too much like the disciples we don't pay attention to what Jesus has said. And so when things start going badly, we start to think Jesus has lost control. But here's just a few things we need to think about. Jesus never promised that you would have a nice, easy life. Jesus never promised that you would live in a nice, peaceful, Christian nation where everyone would vote exactly as you think they should. He never promised you that you would never experience sickness, disease, hardship, or persecution. In fact... Jesus has promised you the opposite. Jesus has told you that in this world, these are the words of Christ, in this world you will have trouble. That's what Jesus says. So then we have trouble in the world, and we're like, oh, Jesus must have lost control, even though he said this is exactly how it was going to go. I think we need to repent for not really believing what Jesus told us. So how do we get to this point? This is how we get to the point, I think, where we are so full of fear and anxiety. It's because of our lack of faith. It's our lack of trust that Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It just doesn't seem to be enough for us. We don't really seem to trust that God is in control for our good. We have a lack of faith that the Father who gave us his Son will also with him graciously give us all things. We don't trust that ultimately this veil of tears will be lifted and Jesus will undo all the evil we experience. And so we live in fear, much like the disciples. What's really remarkable about Jesus is not just that he controls the future and not just that he controls our lives. What's really remarkable about Jesus is how he handles this fear. Do you remember what he did for the disciples? after he rose from the dead, after Jesus did everything he said he was going to do, the disciples, they're they're hiding out, remember, they're up in that upper room, and they've locked the doors for fear of the Jews, for fear uh, that they were next. You know what Jesus does? He comes to them. He shows up in their midst, in the resurrected flesh. You know what he says to them? He doesn't say, why didn't you guys believe? Why weren't you guys paying attention? I told you this was going to happen. I told you so. Jesus never says, I told you so. Jesus says to them in their fear, peace be with you. Then he shows them how he has conquered the grave and how he has overcome the evil of this world. And then he sends them forth completely changed. He sends them forth to face this troublesome dark world with the boldness of the light that shines forth from the empty tomb. You guys, for you who fear the future, for you who are so frightened about the things that are going on around you, for you who are who are so full of anxiety because control seems to be lost, the Lord Jesus comes to you today in his word with the very same message. Jesus comes to you even now and says, Peace be with you. Peace, as we sing in the great Lenten hymn, that flows from sins forgiven. Jesus comes to you today with his word of peace and announces to you, that your faithless fearfulness, even that, is forgiven, paid for on the cross with his own blood. And he has overcome this world, so you have nothing to fear in this world. You can cast your cares, your burdens, your futures onto the shoulders of the risen Christ, for he has promised to carry you through all trials and tribulations into his glory. And he sends you forth with the boldness to reflect the light, that brave, bright light that shines forth from his empty tomb. Jesus has promised that in this world you will have trouble, but that he has overcome the world and has promised you eternal life. You can trust that promise because it will happen just as Jesus said it. Amen. Let's pray. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, that you have not lost control. We thank you that you watch over us and care for us, even in the midst of our trials and our anxieties. We pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us for our fear. And we pray that you would teach us to trust in you and follow you faithfully all the days of our lives, even as you always remain faithful to us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.